You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. So good to be here with you this morning. This is a morning worth coming out and braving the storm to come because of the encouragement that is found within the message this morning. This is one of those messages that's going to be super easy for me to preach because it's just, it's just so good. It's so encouraging. It's so encouraging. It's one of those things where it's like, man, I'm so glad this is true. I'm so glad that I can find this hope. So, man, hang in there. Uh, week one, this is week three of a sermon series entitled Divine Intervention. And what a potent topic or what a potent sermon series to be diving into because it's a question I think that all of us have. Like, God, given my situation, are you going to intervene? Are you going to do something? What does that look like? How come you haven't already? Do you even exist? Do you even care? When are you going to do something? I'm talking to you. So this whole this whole series is, is devoted to the, the topic of God intervening on our behalf. And we're in part three of this series. And if you missed part one and part two, I want to encourage you to go back and listen. Last week was, was about God working and intervening in our restlessness, talking about Abraham and Sarah, and it was phenomenal. And this morning, if you're taking notes, which I'm a big proponent of taking notes, I want to encourage you to write down in barrenness. In barrenness, in our lack, God, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to move? Are you going to do something? I have a lack of fill in the blank. What does that look like? What does God and how does God work in the midst of our lack? Will he? Can he? Does he? What hope do I have in the midst of what I am lacking in my life? I want to tell you this story. This, my, my grandfather, and don't snicker at this because his name is it's unique. He was Welsh, so his name was Rexford Evans. And the reason I, I don't want you to snicker is because my wife doesn't quite know this yet, but that's a, that's a prime name candidate for my son. The family name is resting on, on, on my shoulders, so I need to make sure that Rexford Evans, I think it might be, I don't know if the chances are good, but we'll, we'll, we'll try it out. But <laughs> my grandfather... He, he had a disease, and actually both of my parents, this is my, my, dad's, uh, my dad's dad and, and my dad's mom, had this disease known as Alzheimer's disease, which I have, I know the word, it's very hard for me to say. In fact, Lauren was making me, that's my wife, make me say it over and over again because she was laughing at how I had trouble saying it, but it's a neurodegenerative, no, disease. So it's a mentally declining disease. It's a disease that literally eats the memory of the human mind. And my goodness, if you have experienced this disease, what a tragedy it is. In fact, we, we would say often that at least it was a blessing that both of my grandparents had the disease because as they both kind of went into this mental decline, they were kind of in it together. So it was horrible, yet it was the greatest gift. Well, I'll never forget this one time. It was incredible. And, I, and I'm in a particular emotional mood this morning because of God and what he's doing here. So I'm going to be, try to hold it together here. I'm going to try to hold it together here. There was this amazing moment where my grandfather at this stage in the disease had kind of declined to such a point where even stringing together a coherent sentence was something that was very hard for him to do. Everything was confused and mumbled and, and I just, you could see it in his eyes that he just had a hard time like knowing what to do or what to say. But I'll remember this, I'll never forget this one time. We went to the nursing home and it was my parents and, and I, we went to the nursing home and we, we went to have lunch with my grandfather. 
And so when you have lunch with your grandfather in this facility, kind of removed from all the other people in the nursing home, we, we had this private room to ourselves, and we had a nurse there who was there to help us. And, and we were kind of trying to talk to, to Grandpa, and Grandpa was just kind of confused and, like, kind of talking and mumbling. Like, I, I, and we'd always, like, oh, it's so hard to watch. It's so hard to, to see him try to remember and try to speak, but he just couldn't. And, and we're trying to talk with him. And, and the nurse is like, Rex, don't you know this is your family? Your family has come here to visit you. He's like, I, I and he just couldn't string it together. And it's just kind of sad, but it's also so good to be with my grandpa. And I'll never forget this moment when the food came out. And, you know, they have like these little, you know, lids that you lift off of them. And we're about to eat. And uh, the nurse took a shot in the dark. She said, hey, Rex, would you be able to pray for us this morning? you know, or this afternoon, would you be able to pray for the meal here? He said, oh yes, dear heavenly father, word by word, perfect, eloquent, my grandfather could still pray. He could still pray. And it's in that moment where you can't help but look and see that in the natural world, he was lacking a memory. In the natural world, he should not have been able to speak. He had a lack. His mind, it was barren. There was nothing there. He couldn't even remember his own wife's name. The most he could do was look at the picture and say, man, she is beautiful. Who is that? Who is that? And yet God, in an instant, I believe this to this day, that God did a miracle that day, and he went to prove something to me, and to prove something to my family, that is, God can intervene in the midst of, of our lack. God can intervene in the midst of our barrenness. And I'll go as so far as to say that God, he wants to. He wants to intervene. So the question this morning is, what can we learn of this God? Because it's so hard for me in the midst of my lack, and you can fill in the blank there of what it is that you're lacking. Maybe it is that you are lacking peace. Maybe it's that you're lacking purpose. Maybe you're lacking physical or mental health. Or maybe you're lacking security or purpose or meaning, significance, love, grace. Maybe these are some of the things you're lacking. And the question is, God, what kind of God are you that you would allow me to go through and experience this kind of a lack? If you are who you say you are, if you can speak the world into existence, why is it that you haven't spoken into my situation? Because I need you now, God. What is it that we can learn about this God and what comfort and or security or peace or hope can we find in answering those questions? This morning, I've got nothing but good news. I've got nothing but good news. If you are here and you call on Jesus as your savior, then you have every reason this morning to be lifting hands raised to the heavens and say, God, even in the midst of my lack, I can give you the praise that's due to your name because you are amazing. And if you're here in this place and maybe you haven't called on God as Savior, I want to say this is an open invitation. God wants to move in your life in an extraordinary, supernatural kind of a way. So, man, let's dive in this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1, 5 through 25, and I would encourage you to take out your phone or version app or grab a Bible from the front and just kind of keep it open on your lap because we're going to look at this text here, and I don't have a lot of the text itself out on the screen, so I would encourage you to write some of these references down. It's super beneficial. I want to give you a quick recap of this particular narrative in this event which occurred in history. It's extraordinary, it is amazing, it's supernatural, and it's 
something that teaches us something about God and how he works and how he intervenes in the midst of our lack. And it's something to be super encouraged about. So there were these two people, this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And the Bible says that these two people, man, they were, they were upright people, followed God's commands and were a people of God and who loved God and did everything that he wanted them to do and did it faithfully. But Elizabeth, she was barren. She was unable to, to bear any children. She couldn't have kids. And there came this moment in this narrative where Zechariah was burning incense in the temple in preparation of worship for God. And hang with me here because we're moving at a lightning speed here. And this angel appears and says to Zechariah, hey, Zechariah, God has heard your prayers, meaning you have been crying out to God in the midst of your lack for a child and God has heard your prayers and you're going to have, Elizabeth is going to have a baby and his name is going to be John, and he's going to be awesome, and he's going to be an upright, amazing person, and people are going to follow him, and his whole purpose is going to point to Jesus coming into the world. He's going to pave the way, prepare the way. And Zechariah's response, because the Bible tells us that Zechariah and Elizabeth at this stage were, were old in age, which I'm not even going to attempt to throw out some numbers out there just for the you know, sake of, I don't want you pelting things at me. But he said that you're going to bear children, and then Zechariah, in the midst of, of their lack and experience, said, okay, um, but like how? How is, how, I don't know, how is that going to happen exactly? I, I don't, are, how, how is that going to happen? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so he was throwing doubt out to this angel. Can you imagine like an angel actually shows up in your presence and says something's going to happen, and now your response is going to be, I don't know. I'd be in that moment where I'd be like, no, I think I know. I might believe you. Angelic being in front. I think I believe. No, but Zachariah, Zachariah said, I don't know. I don't know about that. And the angel's like, I am Gabriel. I am an angel. I have come here to tell you this truth and you don't believe it. So now you're going to have to shut up and not be able to speak until the baby comes. So literally it was like, couldn't say a word which was probably the best thing that happened to him, but we're going to talk about that later on. And then sure enough, Elizabeth had John, had a baby. There was no, when you're telling a story, usually you like to like build up to the climactic moment, but like I just let it go right there in a way that's like, man, that was not the best storytelling ever. But that's the narrative. That's the narrative. So the question is... <laughs> What is it that we can learn from God in the midst of this narrative? What life-giving, light-in-the-darkness, hope-filling truth can we learn about God in the midst of such a simple narrative? What can we learn about this God, how he intervenes in the midst of our lack? I will submit to you that you learn some of the greatest truths that you could ever hear in the midst of your lack. And these are some that I can't wait to share with you this morning. They are simple and yet, if we can grab a hold of them, the truth of who God is and the truth of his word will sustain you through your lack. Is that okay with everyone? We've got to get excited about what God's doing and what he wants to do in our lives, I can tell you that. So let's hone in here a little closer and see what it is that we can learn about God 
And we start with Luke chapter 1, 5 through 7. This is at the very beginning of the narrative. This is no longer, as my dad likes to say, the Evans unauthorized version. This is actually the Bible here. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. And catch this, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Both of them were righteous, even in the midst of their lack. I want you to know this morning that God, this is point number one. God, he specializes in the impossible. God specializes in the impossible. And sometimes we know this as people and as Christians. We know, and maybe this is actually the greatest source of your frustration. It's the fact that you know that God, he specializes in the impossible. And you're like, okay, God, you specialize in the impossible. And the question is, why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you doing something about it? But God, he does specialize in the impossible. And the question at that moment is not if God can do something in this impossible situation. The question is never if God can do something in the midst of our lack. The question is never if God is capable, if he is powerful enough, if he is wanting. It's never the if question. The question is what is our posture in the midst of it? What's our posture in the midst of our lack? Because here's two people where we know the end of the story already. God, he intervenes. Yet in the midst of the lack, what is it that they do? They don't sit in a corner and say like, God, I am I'm just mad at you and I am going to forsake you. I'm going to turn my back on you. And instead, what they did do was they kept faithfully serving and trusting in God. Their posture never changed in the midst of their lack. They still observed all of the laws and all the commands blamelessly. God is so ripe and wanting to move in the heart that remains in him in the midst of your lack. In fact, we forget so often the second point of this moment where God, he specializes in the, in, in the impossible. We remember that, but what we forget is that he wants to do the impossible for you. He's not some distant God who has forgotten you. He's not some God who has given up on you. As I like to say, he's not a God who sits on the sidelines. This is the God, the creator of the universe, who when Jesus came and said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. What a bold statement for Jesus to make. There ain't a doctor on the planet who at the top of their field can say, come to me, all of you who are broken in this way. Ben Carson, for instance, you know, leave the politics aside here. Guy's an awesome surgeon. Like, separating conjoined twins at the head, amazing. I mean, I would love to go to Ben Carson every time I had a headache. But there is no way that Ben Carson has the ability or the capacity to be able to say, come to me, all of you have a headache. And yet, here's a God who has said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
We remember, we, for, we remember that God, he specializes in the impossible, but what we often forget is that he wants to, and what we really often forget is the next point, which is, oh, so important. So important, and probably the hardest part about all of the narrative and what God wants to say to us through this. Continuing on in Luke 1, 8 through 13. Once, when Zechariah's vision was on duty, division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Remember with the narrative at the beginning? Zechariah now was going into the temple to burn the incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then... It's at this moment, when he's in this temple burning incense, that an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he, startled, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. You're like, okay. God showed up. Here's something. That is amazing in this point of the scripture here in Luke chapter 1, 8, verses 13. The angel showed up and, and spoke of an intervention of God when Zechariah was in the temple burning incense. Did you know that a priest in his life will go through this burning of incense ceremony only once? Maybe twice, if they're really lucky. But only once. Isn't it amazing that God showed up in Zechariah's situation in the midst of his lack at the very one moment in his life that he was to burn incense in the temple? What is it that we learn of God in that situation? It's that his timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect. In the midst of our lack, we know that God is able and he specializes in the impossible and he wants to do something, yet we sit back so often, we say, God, where are you? I can't see. And it's understandable. I know that God, he, he's not without empathy to your situation because he's a loving and caring God. But his timing, you have to hear this this morning. If you're in the midst of lack and you're in the midst of pain, you need to hear this this morning. God's timing is perfect. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of what our posture is in the midst of our lack. It's always this time of the year, Christmas time, we're lighting the candles, we're seeing the trees. I don't know if you're like me, but I get inspired at this moment to always go back to the, to the whole nativity account, the birth account of Jesus. So where do we go? We go right to the beginning of Matthew. And so we get to Matthew chapter 1. We're all excited, you know, maybe we're even in, the, in our living room with a tree lit and we're like really getting into it, maybe even said a couple prayers, you know. God, I'm, I'm ready to get into this here. Let's go back to this. We start at Matthew chapter one. We're excited, nativity. Here we go. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brother. And we're like, okay, um, that's... Verses 1 through 16, 17. Okay, let's skip down to number 18. Not important. <laughs> don't you, you all know, nervous laughter in the room. You like, act like you don't do it. But I can tell you this. 
even with the genealogy of Jesus, we learn something so important about him. And it is this. When God intervenes, it is rarely on our timeline. His timing is perfect. Look at all the people that had to come before Jesus came into the world. Do you know that there was an entire nation of Israel waiting for Jesus to come? They had a lack of a Messiah. They had a lack of a presence of God. Do you know that God disappeared? The latest prophet didn't come and speak to them. 400 years had passed. God was completely silent. And at the beginning of Matthew chapter 1, we see a genealogy of Jesus and we see blaring off the page that God's timing is perfect. And to take it a step further, very rarely is God's timing aligned with ours. (laughs) Which is like twofold. One, frustrating. Two, filled with life-giving hope. And we learn that in the midst of the time in between where God is working and will work in your life, there's all kinds of junk that's going to happen probably in the meantime. There are these specific portions in this genealogy of Jesus where like little things are thrown out about, oh, you know, here was uh, a prostitute involved with this one. Here are his brothers who like threw him into slavery. There's all this garbage that happens in the midst where really you should be sitting back and thinking like, God has has forgotten me. Yet in hindsight, When God does intervene, you will be able to look back and I will be able to look back and see exactly the beautiful orchestra that was conducted by God, the greatest life symphony writer of the universe. God's timing is perfect. He specializes in the impossible and his timing is perfect. Luke 1, 18 through 20 says this, Maybe you'll remember this. (laughs) Zechariah asked the angel, this is right after angel had said, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You are to call him John. Zechariah asked the angel, "How, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. That's Luke 1, 18 through 20. (laughs) This is probably one of my favorite points. This is so good. Elizabeth did have a baby. Elizabeth did have a baby. Even in the midst of of Zechariah's doubt, he still was a father to John. Elizabeth still had a baby. God's timing is perfect, but God intervenes on repeat. I'm going to give this a little bit of explanation here. (laughs) This is some of the greatest news that you can hear, this statement here. God intervenes on repeat. God has done it before, so he can do it again. What God has done for others, God can do for me. It's easy to look at this situation here and say, wow, that's so nice for Elizabeth. (laughs) That's so nice for Zechariah. They had this huge lack in their life, and God, he showed up and he did something. But God, before that moment, had done the very same thing before. Not just once but a handful of times. 
In Genesis 17, 16 through 19, we have Abraham and Sarah. Sarah unable to have a child, and Sarah had a child because of God. In Genesis 25 through and verses 21, Isaac and Rebekah, same exact situation. Rebekah was unable to have a baby. God made it happen. In Genesis 30, Jacob and Rachel had Joseph, Rachel, unable to have any children. God showed up. He's done it before. He can do it again. Judges 13, 2 through 3. Did you know that Samson, you know, long hair, dude, super strong, um, eyes gouged out for some reason. As a kid, I always remember that. Freaky. Anyway, his mom, unable to have him, but God showed up and did something miraculous. God, he intervenes on repeat. You are not the exception to the rule. And he said, again, you are not the exception to the rule. In your lack, God wants to do something miraculous. Whether it is that you are lacking hope, whether it is that you are lacking peace, whether it is that you're lacking a future in your mind, God, he has done something before in the past. He has saved people. He has given people a hope. You can read through the scriptures of him coming in and healing of giving people a purpose, of changing people, of giving a hope and a future. You are not the exception to the rule. God, he intervenes on repeat. He's done it once and he can do it again. I want to let you in on a little bit of a, of a routine that I have before I preach. This is a relatively new song that has come out by Elevation Church. But there's this song that's called Do It Again. And some of the lyrics, when it gets to the climactic moment of the song at the bridge, there goes this moment where it goes like this. I've seen you move. I don't have any music, so bear with me. You move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again. Oh, man. Thank you. All right, Trey, come up here. Give me some background. No, I'm just kidding. I have to sit there, and I have to listen to the truth of that song and those lyrics, which ring the truth of eternity and our maker, because in the moments where I'm feeling feeble, where I'm like, man, I did all this preparation, but it's just going to fail. No one's going to be changed by this. I need to be reminded that our God, he's moved mountains and he can do it again. He has saved in the past. He can save me now. He has given peace where there was no peace. He's given hope where there is no hope. He's a God who he intervenes on repeat. And you are not the exception. I was just... Uh, Actually, just yesterday. <laughs> this is one of the thoughts that flew into my mind this morning in my quiet time in preparation for this message. I was watching this documentary on Tony Robinson. I don't know if you know who Tony Robinson is, but he's like this kind of like guru, self-help person. Lots of people flock to him, and it's, it's interesting. He's helped a lot of presidents and things like that. And I was watching a documentary on this guy, and uh, Watching him versus knowing the truth of the scripture, it's like this experience I had in Cambodia where they have this place called the Russian Market where you can go and instead of getting like regular name brand Beats headphones, like you can get knockoff brands. They still go by the same name, but you would think it would be called like Feats, like fake Beats. They sound horrible. <laughs> you have the little fake brand on there. They sound horrible like after a month of sweating as I sweat like profusely in the gym. 
it's like, it goes out, like one ear goes out. It's like kind of on and off, you know? <laughs> it was like, man, if only I had the real thing. I was watching Tony Robbins. And he was talking about, you know, you got hope. You got a future. You're, what you're going through now can help you out later on and stuff. And I was like, you know, jury's out on that if you don't have God. If you've got God, you can actually stand with confidence and say, the garbage I'm going through is being orchestrated by a God who cares for my development and who is going to intervene at the right, appropriate, perfect time because he's a God who is perfect. And here's the truth. When we sit back and we look at this narrative and we see what God has done here in this family, we can say, wow, this is incredible. God, he specializes in the impossible for them. God's timing was perfect for them. And he, he intervened on repeat, and they happened to fall in there. I love that the whole point of the narrative, where we can learn of the beautiful nature of God's intervention and how he works, what his heart is like, what he is capable of doing it, how he will do it, when he will do it, we can look at this narrative and know something amazing as it pertains to us. And it is this, Matthew 11, 1 through 15. I'm going to read it from the message paraphrase. Hear this out. When Jesus, he finished placing this charge before his 12 disciples, he went on to teach and to preach in their villages. We're talking about John, no, you know, the amazing miracle baby. John the Baptist, unable. Now, now we're zooming forward quite a few years. John, meanwhile, had been locked up in prison. And when he got wind of what Jesus was doing, he sent his own disciples to ask, are you the one we've been expecting or are we still waiting? Jesus told them, go back and tell John what's going on. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the wretched of the earth learn that God is on their side. Is this what you were expecting? Then count yourselves most blessed. When John's disciples left to report, Jesus started talking to the crowd about John. This is the miracle John, miracle baby. What did you expect when you went out to see him in the wild? A weekend camper? Hardly. What then? A sheik in silk pajamas? Not in the wilderness, not by a long shot. What then? A prophet? That's right, a prophet. Probably the best prophet you'll ever hear. He is the prophet that Malachi announced when he wrote, I'm sending my prophet ahead of you to make the road smooth for you. Let me tell you what's going on here. No one in history surpasses John the baptizer, but in the kingdom he prepared you for, the lowliest person is ahead of him. For a long time now, people have tried to force themselves into God's kingdom. But if you read the books of the prophets and God's law closely, you will see them culminate in John. This is where you and I come in. All of these things that the Bible were pointing towards reached their culmination with John, teaming up with him and preparing the way for the Messiah of the kingdom. Look at it this way. John is the Elijah. You've all been expecting to arrive and introduce the Messiah. Are you listening to me? Really listening? You're like, okay, I don't know what that means. <laughs> what are you talking about? We learn of something of God in this narrative with John and how God is this God who specializes in the impossible. His timing is perfect. He intervenes on repeat and we see that he actually did something miraculous and intervened for this family. And we look back and say, wow, that's amazing for them. But why did he do it? Why did God do it for them? So that John could pave the way for the Messiah. So that when you put your faith in him, he could do the same for you. Oh, that's the beauty of the story. 
where Jesus, he came so that you could have access to the creator of the universe. Where in the midst of your lack, you can have hope and you can believe in a God who is a God who keeps his promises, who specializes in the impossible, whose timing is perfect and who intervenes on repeat. He's done it before, he can do it again and I am not the exception. When we put our faith in Jesus, all of this for God in the midst of our lack and how he can intervene in our lack is applied to us. It can be the reality for us today. These don't have to be promises or truths about God kept on a page. But this happens so that you can have very access to the same God who wants to intervene in the same way in your lives and in your situations. Jesus, he intervened. He intervened. And now when we place our faith in Jesus, we have these promises that we can cling on to in the midst of our lack. Isn't it true, church? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. He is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, says the writer in Ephesians 3.20. I want to encourage the, I want the worship team to come on up and Here's the truth. Intervention has come, so it will come. Jesus has come, and now intervention will come. You need to hear this this morning, church. If maybe you're in here and you're experiencing a lack of some sort in your life, that you would say, I am barren in this area. Maybe there's something physical going on. Maybe there's something, a hardship you are enduring where you need God to step in and do something miraculous. Maybe you have a lack of hope. Maybe you have a lack of love, a lack of purpose, a lack of meaning, a lack of security. Jesus, he has come. He has intervened. Intervention has come, so it will come. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Sometimes God's intervention, if we are so fortunate so fortunate in our understanding of the economy and the ruling and the workings of this world. We are fortunate enough to experience his intervention at these kinds of levels in this lifetime. And God, he wants us to ask him for this kind of intervention. Remember Zechariah and Elizabeth, when the angel came, what did he say? He said, the Lord has heard your prayers and he has answered. So never regret, never fear going before God and asking for him to provide for the lack in your life. But in the midst of that request and petitioning, I want to encourage you to rest assured that our God, he is able to do something, he wants to do something, but his timing is perfect. And it's our posture in the midst of our lack and barrenness that makes all the difference. Are we able to continue to praise God in the midst of our lack? There was this quote by John Piper that says, God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him in the midst of loss or lack and not prosperity. God is glorified and he will sustain you through the darkness. When we look at this intervention of Jesus and what he has done on the cross, he came to do something miraculous in our lives and in your life by dying on a cross for your sin. We learn something about God That ought to give us hope by observing what he did for us on the cross. 
One, he is a God who keeps his promises. And he is a God who will love us and who loves us more than we could possibly fathom. He keeps his promises. What are his promises? I have plans for you to prosper you, to give you hope in a future. But it doesn't feel like that, God. No, 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 but it's true. Whether you feel it, it is true. The word tells us that God is on our side, that he is not some distant God, but he's got plans for you. That you are not going through your lack and your barrenness for no reason. There is a plan. There is a purpose. God is building you as you are enduring it. And I think, and I referenced this earlier, that maybe one of the greatest things that happened to Zechariah was the fact that the angel shut him up. Because don't we talk ourselves out of it? The angel stood before God, before Zechariah, and said, no, 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 you're going to have a son. And he said, I don't know. How's that going to be possible? Here are the words of Jesus, of God to you. I have plans for you. Plans to prosper you. Even though you're going through what you're going through, I want to give you hope in a future. You are loved, you are cherished. And we stand before his word, just like Zechariah stood before the angel and he said, I don't know. And the greatest gift that the angel gave was shutting his mouth. Let my word be my word. It is true. And you need to take rest in that. May you be encouraged by that. It's the enemy of this world who wants you to doubt the word of God and what he has for you. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. So as we praise God this morning, I want you to take heart and to be encouraged this morning, church. If you call on Jesus as your savior, and if you are going through a season in your life where you are lacking, God, he has not forgotten you. God, he is able to do more than you can imagine. God will do more than you can imagine, even if not in this lifetime, but in the one to come. Do you know that God has prepared a place for us? That there will be a recreation of the world? This isn't cold comfort here. This ain't Tony Robinson. I'm telling you the truth. (laughs) God has prepared a place, and he's going to recreate the the earth to be a place where there will be, oh, you got to read Revelation chapter 21. It'll bring you to your knees in tears. It's, there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more injustice. There'll no, be no more killing or pain. Or, and it says that in the scripture that that world awaits us like a bride waiting for her groom. It's not an escapist mentality. It's a reality to give us the fuel we need to continue praising God in the midst of our lack. God, he wants to do immeasurably more than you can ever ask or imagine. The question is, will we trust him in the midst of our lack? Will we be like Zechariah and Elizabeth? Will we continue to praise him? Will we continue to live in obedience to him in the midst of that? Now is not the time in the midst of your lack to run away from God. This is the time to run to God. He has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. And I want you to take heart and courage this morning by the truth of his word that he has not forgotten you. He has a plan for you and a hope for you. 
And if you're here in this place and you haven't called on Jesus as your savior, this life and this reality is available to you. All it is is a prayer away where you come before Jesus and say, Jesus, I recognize that on my own, I am without hope and without future, that I am messed up. I recognize that you came for me to give me a better future, a better hope, that you lovingly died in my place on the cross and that you were raised from the grave three days later, that I can trust in you and you would give me life. I want to encourage you to pray that prayer this morning. And can we all stand here this morning as we go into a time of, of praising God? There is reason to praise God this morning, church. Whenever you can hear the truth of the scripture, that it doesn't matter if you're going through hell on earth, that God has got a plan for your life, that it is not needless, that it is not pointless, but that God is doing something amazing in your midst, and maybe we just can't see it. Yeah, that's cause to celebrate. That's cause to shout from the top of the mountain to all those around us that we serve an amazing God, a loving God, and we ought to praise him in that way this morning. And let's do just that. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for giving us hope and a future. Thank you so much for what you did for Zechariah and Elizabeth and what we could learn from you through that. Thank you for your word, for the truth that we wouldn't otherwise know without your specific revelation. Thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, for giving us access to our creator where we can live in this new kind of reality that even though we might be lacking, even though we might be barren, that we are full to the brim and overflowing because of your love, Jesus. Help us to understand that reality. Comfort those who need comfort. Give peace to those who need peace. Give energy to those who need energy. Give perseverance to those who need to persevere right now, God. Would you come before them right now, Holy Spirit, in a supernatural way, Surround him in your love, your peace. We give you all the praise that's due to your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.